ahead folks, welcome to the PFI College Football Show. Michael McQuaid, Dark Harger, Colin Dingen. As we step forward now into the key point of the season, a number, a number of championship games this weekend and today. It's a fun time to be a football fan. I mean, first off, Dara, a warm welcome into you for people on the video. Uh, you look like you're trapped in a time warp from 2006 on a Nokia 3410. Do you even know what a Nokia 3410 is, Dara? Am I just a generation ahead of you? Or what's the crack? Yeah, no, I do. I look like I'm from some bygone era, like a Y2K sort of era here. Um, don't blame me. Blame whatever's happened to my laptop in the last few days. Apologies if there's any audio issues as well. Um, that's I, I really have no explanation for it. Um, but well, we'll figure it out by the time the playoff rolls around, I'm sure. It'll be grand. It's fine. Like, I mean, like Dark Harger living this big online life. I don't believe in any sense of shape or form that you've got a bad laptop. I'm, I'm joking. It's clearly the Wi-Fi in our map. Connell Diggin, you never look better, my man. Just looking fresh as yeah. fresh as feck, shall I say. Just representing, you know, the current five-game win streak. Uh, Denver Broncos. Thanks to the uh, Packers for starting that off for us as well. Absolutely amazing. Um, I can see that maybe I might be a little bit glitchy right now, but you know we'll move on. Uh, um, it's it's good so far. You know, mustache will be gone unfortunately now by the end of the week, but you know we'll we'll deal with it. Recording locally is always a good job, and yeah, I've got the Broncos losing to the Texans this weekend, so I'm I'm the best Broncos fan ever. Uh, it is getting into the biggest point of the season, and just first off. I just wanted to thank you boys publicly and just thank everybody Pro Football Ireland had its first birthday on, on Thursday. Um, it's been a great year. Obviously means an awful lot to do something like this here. It's not easy for these boys to come on, take time out of their busy schedules and do this. So I just wanted to thank you lads. Um, it's, it's been really, really good crack. And I think we've proved a few people wrong over the last 12 months. So yeah, let, let's just keep going. Let's keep plugging away. Um. Dara, do you want to talk to us about any new coaching hours? I know Texas and Texas A&M brought in Mike Alco. Um, he was the DC under Jimbo Fisher. It, it, do you want to talk about him, or do you want to talk about somebody in particular? In terms of, it's been a really. It's funny because like, there's so many big games, but then there's so much other stuff going on as well outside of it with these new hires. Yeah, uh, it's weird the way college football works. Is that you think of these guys who are still coaching games on like being actively recruited to go elsewhere? So this is kind of the nature of college football. Uh, Texas A&M was sort of the first big domino to fall uh, this offseason, or this well, you call it the offseason now technically for a handful of teams. So um, yeah, like Alco is probably not like the biggest name in terms of you know like names like Dabo Sweeney and Dan Lanning were thrown out there for that job. It's a it's a big money. Um, uh, like a, one of the biggest colleges in terms of revenue and expectations and Jimbo Fisher never really seemed to live up to them and despite being like having that ridiculously large contract he had there so yeah it's a big spot for Alco coming in Um, he's really impressed this year uh, turned Duke into a real contending team in the ACC until their quarterback had injured so that was kind of like a you know he proved his worth as a head coach there after obviously being a defensive coordinator at Texas and you know, it kind of suits the SEC's, like, you know, the typical MO of, you know, old school defensive coordinator mm -hmm. uh, turned head coach. You got Saban in Alabama, Kirby Smart in Georgia. You had, um, like, it, it, there's been plenty of other um, examples of that through the times of great SEC schools. So, yeah, it's a big spot for Alco at Texas a &M, But, yeah, interesting to see if he can deliver. I mean, 
a lot of it's going to come down to recruiting, which Texas NM did so well under Jim Fisher. But like, it's all well and good recruiting, but you have to actually turn those into viable star players on the field, which is really where Fisher fell short. Going from one team to another, because we have got limited time. Uh, it's it's been an interesting year without getting too much in trouble and not seeing our second year Connell for MSU for 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 Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the whole Mel Tucker situation is still playing out. But Jonathan Smith has been poached from his alma mater at Oregon State. I've I've been really, really interested in this year. 34 to 35 in six seasons at Oregon State. But a guy that obviously has his heart, his soul with that team. Are you surprised that he went to MSU? I think if the Pac-12 still exists, he's he still is a member and he's still the coach of the of Oregon State because you know, basically the only reason he's leaving is because you know they're more than likely changing to the uh, Mountain West, and that's a massive step down, especially at the level they've been playing at the last few years with him as their head coach. And this is a great, I think, steal for um, for MSU. I mean, he's been at Oregon State, I basically most of his life. If you look through, he was there. He then went back like you know basically offensive quality assistant coach quarterbacks coach offense coordinator for years and everything like that there so he's he's done his time there and then obviously came back to be head coach and worked out under him after they had some really really bad years so i think you know him leaving now is it, it, not that he's leaving on a, a sour note but i guess he's leaving you know under the shadow of that he's more than likely would still be there if still in the pack club you know, capitulate. Dara, is there anybody else that you were like, hmm? Because I, I don't, I, I want to talk about the games, but I don't want to cover over too many. Was there anybody else that has took a job on that you were like, interesting? Yeah, well, um, obviously we've had the two, two MSUs, as you say, Michigan State and Mississippi State. Um, no, it hasn't been like it hasn't been a real. You know, show-stopping year for college football coaches, really, compared to some other years where, you know, we had the big year where Marcus Freeman took over at Notre Dame and Brian Kelly went to LSU. Like, that was a pretty big year. We've had Luke Fickle go to Wisconsin in previous years. Like, they, compared to other years, there's been no really, like, you know, standout candidate coaches, you know, and other than that Texas A&M job, which, like, I mean, Elko's a good hire by all means, but it's not it's not as if Dabo Sweeney left Clemson and now Clemson either head coach. It's not, like... There will be, as I assume we keep on doing this college football podcast, there will be years to come where the coaches get a lot more dramatically, you know, big name superstar coaches. Obviously, and eventually Saban's going to have to leave Alabama and that will be a massive, you know, whoever gets the role to take over there. Like there's there's things like that nature that I think will be a bigger storyline than, than a measly, rather quiet year we've had this season on the coaching carousel. Would you compare Saban leaving Alabama to like, uh, Kieran McGinney leaving Armagh at some point, or is this his own? Oh, well, now that's uh, I wouldn't think Saban just quite has McGinney's resume in terms of um, uh, qualifier wins and wins away in Leitrim, and um, I don't know what else do we have. Well, we were in Division One for a few years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An Ulster final appearance, You're probably a second one this year if it all goes well, I suppose. Say them more, say them more. Best looking as big breakfast on, on Sunday as well. Let's jump into the SEC championship game, which is this weekend. I have to say, boys, you know, it's one thing, Dar, to start with you. We've seen with the NFL, CBS obviously are lumping the fact that they've got the Super Bowl in Vegas in February, but 
such a big thing for them to even have this game as well this week and to see Georgia go up against Alabama you know Kirby Smart has got a 29 game winning streak that is an absolute disgrace in professional sports 2021 SEC title the last time they lost to Alabama they have not lost the game since Alabama lose week two to Texas to the Longhorns but Saban and his team has won what the last 10 games they're alive if Alabama won Dara this could really I mean look I don't think they're gonna win but if they won this game the playoff conversation could be hilarious because we, we, we've seen over the last two to three days in terms of where every college stands in the top 25 of the CFB playoff. But an Alabama win would certainly put the cat amongst the pigeons, sir. Do you think they could do it against Georgia or do you expect Georgia to go out and get the business on this weekend? Um, well, yeah, as you said, Alabama winning is like the, the catalyst to a completely chaotic um, college football. You know, like... How do you leave out a one-loss SEC champion in Alabama, but then do they go and leapfrog Texas and leapfrog and a possibly undefeated Florida State? Alabama are miles better than Florida State, but like, yeah, are, are you allowed to get in based on being a better team or based on being undefeated? You know, um, Do Georgia, are they kicked out if they're a one-loss team that is clearly one of the top four teams in America and has only got one loss in, as you say, their last 30 games? Like That's a big ask to kick them out of the playoff as the number one seed. Like You could maybe just stick them in back at number four. It's so hard to know. Everything's in flux if Alabama win this game. Um, like The thing about this game that's most interesting to me is that like I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a team concede as many early touchdowns and go on to just win comfortably as Georgia do every time because you're never like we haven't watched Georgia they haven't really been the marquee game week to week watch this year because they're usually such heavily favored and you check the scores and they're maybe you know 10 minutes into the game and they're already 7-0 down and you're like oh does this team have a chance and then by the end of it Georgia roll out to a comfortable you know double digit victory and that seems to have happened far too often this year so it's almost as if you can throw out the first 10 minutes of this game because if Alabama get a start you know Georgia have proven that they can just go and, and, and flash out of the gates themselves once they get going so like um the other thing to note is that there's a handful of injuries in this game like well they're probably all going to play but Brock Bars and Labakovsky for Georgia are both going to be banged up Alabama's running back Jason McClellan's probably going to be banged up I'd say they'll all push through as it's such a high stakes game it's like the SEC championship for those who aren't really long time followers of college football kind of has its own uh, prestige, it's wee, uh, dare I say it's wee, but like the Ulster final. Um, <laughs> it's like it's the only one that matters, yeah, yeah, it's the only one that matters, absolutely. Um, uh, everything else is just house money from there on, so you know, this is this is like you know, this is the second thing to religion in, in the deep south of America, so you know, like it's a massive battle between two, two of the proudest states of college football, so yeah, really, really excited to watch this one. Um, I think it'll be closer than. Some expect. I, I don't think that Georgia are noticeably better than Alabama, but that five point spread is fairly reflective of where both teams stand at the moment. Connell, feel, feel free to put your video on, and we'll, I will see if we can make this into a TikTok reel, my man. But Alabama, eighth in the rankings, Georgia first in the rankings, obviously the top four going into the CFB playoff. Even if Alabama cause the upset and win this game and knock off a team that have been unbeaten, for nearly as long as I even know when you boys collectively. Can Alabama get in the top four? Or do you think it's, it's far too far too late, just the conversation? 
think part of my whole week has been thinking, okay, how can this team make the playoff? How will this team make the playoff, basically? And I, it's it's literally like you're going through, okay, this team has to lose and this team has to lose. So then it's like, I think for Bama to make it, they need like Texas to lose. Uh, they need to play really well against Georgia and then they need Florida State to lose. That's basically what's needed. And even then, maybe even if Texas lose, if they very much outperform um if they very much outperform Georgia, they probably still make it. I think this is, you know, as you said, it's going to be like an Ulster final, very defensive game. Um, but, you know, look, that's that's just how we view it. Um, and I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun game. There's obviously a lot of top level talent in these games. So it's going to be one if you're looking for players who are going to be in the league next year. Keep an eye out for this one. Absolutely, my man. Camera off again. We're getting there. We're sucking diesel, my man. Dara, are we going to have a week for the Pac-12? Is this, is this going to happen or what's the crack? Yeah, um, the the obituary was uh, done there in the in the, after that final Pac-12 after dark game the other day. It was uh, really clearly, forget about how many moments, Pac-12, which has been arguably the worst of the Power 5 conferences. And, you know, it, like, it's hard saying that now because they've been it's been such a strong year in the Pac-12 compared to previous years. Usually by this point of the season, they've all beaten each other to death. Everyone's got three losses and, you know, it's just an after after story compared to the, the East Coast teams of college football. So, you know, it, it's been nice to see them really go out strong. It is a bit of a shame that the two teams who are in the Pac-12 championship game, Oregon and Washington, are... Um, the two teams who started the whole uprising and leaving of the Pac-12, but that's neither here nor there. I think I saw somewhere actually, um, Oregon State and Washington can vote. They have the power to vote that uh, Oregon and Washington aren't allowed to play in the playoff game um, as the remaining Pac-12 members, or aren't allowed to play in the conference championship game as they're the only remaining members. And then I saw someone fire back and say, well, Oregon would just drop a massive lawsuit on them for it being like, you know, a bit of a, a scummy act, so I don't really, I don't really know the whole legal side of things, but I, I find that quite interesting anyway. It's funny though, because like you've got a championship game this week, and all the conversation is about oh, it's the final time, it's the wake, it's all this, and just what you're saying as well. Before we get Connell's thoughts, the last time these two boys played each other, these two boys, these two colleges played each other was in October. Washington obviously unbeaten in the season, eleven and only won thirty six thirty three, tight game. You still expect a situation where Oregon, a team that has really impressed in recent times, averaging 45 points a game, they have not allowed more than 16 points in, I think, either all or the majority of their games this season. Bo Nix is obviously one of the favourites for the Heisman. Who do you think is going to come out on top? Because I could see Oregon coming out and doing the business. Yeah, like, um, like it's... it's kind of the Oregon are just firing on all cylinders at the moment and the spread in this game is nine and a half like there's uh, that's massive for the fact that Washington have already beaten Oregon but ever since that game you know Oregon have rattled off like six straight wins and they're just demolishing teams Washington keep they're, they're sort of uh, they're giving me strong TCU vibes from last year where they could make the playoff by just eking out these couple of point margin victories every single week and you're saying when's this team gonna finally get it handed to them and we saw TCU got it handled them in the worst possible way when they ran into Georgia so I don't know if that will be Washington's fate 
I'm a wee bit of a bias on a homerism here because I did call Washington to make the playoff at the start of the year. So, um, like, I, I am rooting for them, and I, I'm a big Michael Phoenix fan. But I like it's hard to look past an Oregon team that has been, you know, they've, they've just been scorching the earth ever since that loss, and that loss was by such fine margins. You couldn't really knock them for losing by three points on the road in Washington that week. So, it's going to be tough to know. Um, a, a really good, interesting question would be which quarterback plays better here. Uh, Oregon's defense is a lot better than Washington's. Like we've seen, average QBs have success passing against Washington. So God knows what Bo Nix, who's been playing at a Heisman level, could be doing. Like expect a lot of points in this one. It's going to be in. I think it's in Allegiant Stadium. So there's there's going to be no weather factors here, which we've seen. We've seen feels like every game in the northern northwest of America is just like a snow game or a rain game this time of year. So it's nice to get these two teams indoors and you know playing at their high level. Connell, Washington have really had an issue with consistency, but across the season, they've showed up in the big moments. And you know, you could argue the Huskies are 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 undefeated for a real big reason in terms of how they've played in certain games. Give us your winner. Who's going to win the final ever Pac-12 championship? And do they do they get to keep the trophy at the end after everything has happened? I mean, that, that's a whole different conversation. Is it is it like when you win the Champions League like five times, you got to keep the Champions League and they'd have to make a new one or something? But I, I guess this time it's not even you win it this many times that's the last one. So I, I don't know. That actually, That's actually a really interesting question. But I think the last few weeks we've talked about Washington, we've talked about Oregon a couple of times, and I think every single time I've brought up Washington just – I've always just talked about Oregon anyway because I just think Oregon are such a good team. I think they're a better team. I think they are they have the same level of offense that Washington has, but a much, much better defense on kind of all levels, really. And I think that really will help them in this game. I know it was a close game last time, but they kind of lost that game partially down to some aggressive play calling, which is, you know, something you want to have, I guess. You know, they went for it on fourth down, I think, you know, three or four times and, didn't, and only converted once. And one of those was like very deep in the red zone as well. So they left some scores on the board and maybe we might see them play it a little bit more, um, you know, conservatively. And if they can take three points, they'll go for three points at the weekend. And at the end of the day, like that was what, you know, put them, that's what lost them the game the last time they only lost by three points. So, you know, Washington, they've kind of been a TCU kind of team where, you know, they, they're probably better than what TCU were last year, but they're, you know, they just get wins. Like you're looking at them and you're like, how are they going to win this game? And then they just come out and they pull out a victory out of nowhere with the last minute field goal or a good last two minute drill. So Washington are good. Oregon are good. I think it's an amazing, you know, final ever Pac-12 matchup. It's probably one of the best matchups you could get in the country. It's the one I'm definitely going to be watching. I think it's on Friday night. So that's that's a that's a good time as Friday well. Friday night. Yeah, Friday night light Friday night lights um to to end it off for the Pac-12 and I think it's probably the best matchup of the weekend in my opinion as well. It's definitely the match for me as well. It's the best match of the weekend Friday night and for people on the podcast it is Friday. Happy Friday. Shout out to I think it was Jer who commented on my swearing last week, who actually listened and found out I was swearing. And I was swearing about Michigan, Dara. And this is going to be the quickest segment of the whole week. Um, is there any scenario in which Iowa beats Michigan? The last time they played each other in this game, in the Big Ten Championship, 2021, Michigan wins 42-3. to 
I think they're going to win the whole thing, man. I, I really, really do. I was so impressed with how they won last week against Ohio State. Was sitting there in the airport watching it. What a game that was, man. What a great game. Now, this week, it's going to be interesting. I, I think it'll be over after the first two plays. Yeah, um, it could be. Um, it would be hilarious if, if Iowa and Iowa are like the sicko, like the sicko stalwarts of um, college football at the minute. They just... If there's a game to be ruined, they're going to ruin it. It's, I think it's the lowest over-under points total for a, a conference championship game ever. So that's pretty cool too. I mean, I would feel a wee bit more confident now if, if Penn State didn't dismantle them earlier this year. Like, that's really the one big test they faced and they just got destroyed. Everyone else they've, they've been up against aren't like at that level. So, I mean, there's a chance they keep it close. Um but no, I, I don't see them winning. Like they're gonna have to have something ridiculous happen. Like uh, their their defense is gonna have to score more than their offense, which generally is the case for Iowa, which it just seems so hard to believe. But yeah, um it's it could be close at halftime, it could be worth staying up for on Saturday night if you could really be bothered. Um but like I don't see how I think Michigan are are just gonna be overwhelming for them. I don't think it'll be over immediately. Um, Iowa have the defense to stick in this game. It could just be a punt fest in the first quarter and second quarter. But as the game opens up and as Michigan find themselves, I think you know it, it's it, it. This game is reflective of you know Michigan heavy heavy favorites. It's kind of felt like last week was billed as the Big Ten championship game, and this game's a wee bit like the first Super first and second Super Bowls, where you know, like you had the Ice Bowl as the NFC championship game, and then you know whoever wins is just gonna stroll over the AFC championship first game. Like that's kind of what the Big Ten has felt like for the last handful of years. Just to jump on what Dara said, Connell, you know, is this a bye week for Michigan, or are we really taking uh, Iowa out here? I, look, I think. You know, earlier in the year, a lot of people were like, the season doesn't matter for Michigan, basically, because their schedule is, like, so weak. Like, they're expected to do well. Like, if they didn't get nine wins, it was at a minimum. Ten wins, even, at a minimum. Like, it was a failure of a season. Um, But then, you like, looking through Iowa's um, schedule, it is one of the easiest schedules I think you'll ever see in the entire year. They played one ranked team, and that was uh, Penn State, and they lost 33 to nothing. So then coming up against a team who has already one beaten Penn State and two is arguably the best team in the country, you know, arguably. Um, they, you know, they, they obviously stand a chance because they play really good defense and that will keep them in the game for some portion of the game, especially, you know, if, if they force... Um, if they force Michigan to pass the ball more than run it, it'll give them more of a chance. But like, yeah, they're they're they can't play offense. Offense does not exist. It's a it's a social construct that has never existed in the state of Iowa. Um, outside of Brock Purdy, outside of Brock Purdy, um, and maybe tight ends, and maybe tight ends as well. But it's yeah, it, it's going to be I think an interesting game. Um, no, you know, I think I'm just trying to hype it up a little bit more. It it'll be interesting for maybe the first quarter and a half, and then Michigan probably end up running away with it. And I think even if Michigan lose this game, they still make the playoff anyway. So like, it doesn't really matter. Like, obviously they want to win it, but yeah, it doesn't really matter. Let's roll through the last two games. The first one 
is an SEC championship game where Florida State, down to its backup quarterback, literally having a hell of a season. We're going to see them in Dublin in just under a year now, in August. Just under a year. Of course, under a year. Nine months away from August before you know it. Going up against Louisville in the SEC's championship game. Louisville losing the Governor's Cup, Governor's Cup last week. I was watching a bit of that last weekend, Dara. Like, do you think they're going to be feeling sorry for themselves or do you think they'll look at Florida State and think, yes, they've had a hell of a season, but with a backup quarterback, they have a chance? Or what's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I'd say Louisville will feel like they can win this one. Um, it's a massive game for Florida State because I don't think you can leave. You, they can't be left out of, of undefeated 14-0. Like, that's just unheard of at uh team going and winning all these games. I know the whole issue with Jordan Travis breaking his leg and that or his wrist, I think. And uh, like yeah, that was a nightmare, but um <laughs> you can't leave out a team that goes undefeated. So uh I was impressed in the second half against Florida there and the at the last weekend. Um it looked from for the start of the game like this was we were watching Florida State's implosion and like, you know, Mike Norvell was going crazy on the sidelines and everything looked to be, you know, I think they had maybe run four plays by the time Florida had run 20 or something. It was a crazy mismatch at the start of the game. So, um, like, Louisville are probably, Louisville are a better team than Florida. They're going to present a bigger, tougher task. But they are, this is a neutral venue instead of, you know, a road game. So they don't have to deal with the road environment with a backup QB, which is always a difficult thing for teams. Um, But, yeah, like, this is a game where, if Louisville can get their offense moving effectively, like, and you have to make Florida State go through the air to keep up, like, you can, they're there for the taking. You know, there's, I, has a thirteen and zero team ever been as beatable in a kind of conference championship game? Probably not. You know, like, for Louisville, this is some opportunity. Like, who would have thought as them for them to be competing at this stage in the season? It was seen as to be, you know, Clemson and, and Florida State the whole time, and then when Clemson fell off, here came Duke, and you know that could have been a collision course for the ACC championship. Well, meanwhile, Louisville just kept on plugging away in the background, and yes, they're out of all playoff contention, but this would be a really, really big accomplishment for them. Florida State's main quarterback, obviously done. Connell, and you're looking at a situation when you've got basically Brock Glenn and Tate Roadmaker sitting there ready to go for Florida State. Louisville, as Dara said, rolling the gaps at the minute. 14th in the college football rankings, but could try, if they win this game, to go up into the top 10 and look at a high-end bowl game next week. What do you reckon, boss? You know, I think Florida State are a little bit underrated at the moment. You know, obviously now losing Jordan Travis definitely makes them a lot worse on offense. But defensively, they've been really solid basically all year. Like looking at their numbers, I mean, they haven't played, you know, maybe some of the best competition all year. But like they held LSU to 24 points, which, you know, for I believe they were the first or second highest scoring offense, you know, in the country. Like that's incredible. You know, they had good game against Clemson and then basically after that you know teams barely could reach over 20 against them actually after the Clemson game nobody got over 20 points on them so it's you know their defense has been fairly underrated this year and then uh Benson last week he had 95 yards he only got he's only gotten over 100 yards once this season and in that game he got 200 yards so I think you know he's starting to just maybe heat up a little bit if you get him going on the ground let road makers just make this make simple plays 
you know, hope that one of the wide receivers, you know, because they're all athletic freaks down there, you know, that they can make one big play, whether it be, you know, just break a tackle, anything like that. Like, I think they can easily win this game based on defense. And then basically when you get to the playoff, you kind of just have to ride your luck the rest of the way. In the final game, we're going to talk about it very quickly, folks. This is the Big 12 Championship game. Um, Texas, Long, Texas Longhorns against Oklahoma Tech? Not Oklahoma. State. Proper Oklahoma. State. Oklahoma State. Why did I say Oklahoma Tech? I'm thinking of Texas. Tech. Yeah. I'm thinking of Oklahoma as well because this is the only the, the only game that, that, that the, the Texas Longhorns lost all season so far is against Oklahoma. But Oklahoma State this weekend awaits for them. And look, you could argue, obviously, <laughs> Oklahoma State is not on the lose, Dara. But when you've got guys like uh, Jaden Blues having read on the run game, this could either be a situation where this game is very, very close and it's nervy because it's a championship game. Texas are ranked seven. The Longhorns are just happy to be in this situation. They haven't played each other all season together. Or they could completely pull away. I think they're 11 or 12 point favorites on the spread. Do you think this will be a tight game at all? I mean, is this the one game we're looking at this weekend? It's not for me personally. Um, no, I say the opposite. Um, I don't have any strong opinions on this game, but I would say the, the one thing I would stress in the podcast is if you're listening to this, absolutely watch this game. Um, these uh, Big 12 Challenger games are really, really historically fun games. They're also in AT&T Stadium, which for some reason has a really cool cultural football aesthetic. Uh, they're nice uniforms. There's everything. This game's got everything going for it, in my opinion. Um, the closet Alabama fan in me uh, wants Texas to lose because I want Alabama to make the playoffs because I like Nick Saban. I'm sorry to everyone who now has to hate me after telling them that. But yeah, I like Alabama. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, uh, I think, um, like, yeah, it, it could be a close game. Um, Oklahoma State are coming off like that narrow overtime victory against BOAU to even get into this game. It was a massive comeback in the second half that got them here. But yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be the last time we see Texas in the Big 12 Championship, so it would be nice to see Oklahoma you know, sort of kick them on their way out the door in that kind of way, and um, Oklahoma State, obviously. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I wouldn't stress watch this game. It'll probably be a really balanced game with offensively and defensively. You know, We talked about the Big Ten Championship being that defensive slugfest. We talked about the Pac-12 Championship being, you know, just points after points after points. So this could be a really nice mix of the two. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. The last time Texas won this game was in 2009. Connell, how old were you in 09? Was I at, what? It would have been second half of the year, so probably six years old. Six years old. Jesus, Jesus that's young. Yeah. That's young, boy. Um. I, yeah, I didn't mean to say I shouldn't watch the game, but like, I mean, I just feel like there's bigger scenarios this weekend. Of course, I take on board what Dara said. Do you reckon Texas are going to win? Uh, yes, but I think, you know, this Oklahoma State team has probably one of the best running backs in the country, Ollie Gordon. He's only a sophomore, so he'll be playing again next year for absolute certain. Um, I think leads the country in rushing and is second in rushing touchdowns only behind Blake Corum, who overtook him at the weekend with his two against Ohio State, so I think he'll be the he'll be the man to watch for Oklahoma State this year and next year as well. Um, and also Mike Gundy, I was checking, you know, he like I was like, oh, he's been head coach there for a while, and I was just seeing how long it's been. He's been there since two thousand and five, so he's been there eighteen years now. Um, had some really good years. Basically, he is the program is the best way to probably put it. Um, 
I think they made the conference championship game two years ago or a year ago and, you know, had a really good season. And, you know, it's, they're, they're probably, I think they're one of the most interesting, um, you know, programs in the country. I think now that, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, I think we might actually see them get even better, um, you know, in the big 12 and maybe kind of become one of the powers, you know, that, that are consistently good kind of every single year in that conference. And, you know, Texas coming into this game, their last game in the big 12, um, They'll obviously want to win it, you know, to give them a chance at the playoff. I'm kind of surprised maybe they're not even ranked a little bit higher because of, you know, them beating Alabama. And then the game they lost to Oklahoma was like literally a last second touchdown. Like there was, it was, you know, last play of the game, nothing else they could do. So it, it'll be a fun game, you know, as usually these games are. I mean, actually, I think last year, two years ago, one again, it was literally came down to the final play where they had to go for a diving touchdown and they just missed it. So, you know, there's there's always some drama. And I think, you know, Texas are going to be fighting a bit extra hard. You know, they have really good players and I think they'll probably win it. But, I, I you know, you know, OSU are, they're a good program, but I just don't think they're to Texas's level this year. Never call an Oklahoma, Oklahoma attack ever again, boys. Believe me, I promise you. Uh, finally, Give us your last four, lad. Give us your last four. I'm going to be boring and say it says the exact same. Don't know what order, but Georgia, Michigan, Washington, FSU. Um, who have you got? Dara. Um, right. Okay, Michigan's definitely in. I think Oregon beat Washington, so Oregon is in. I think Florida State beat Louisville, and they're too good. So, yeah, like they're, you can't rule them out, even though I don't think they're the best four teams. So, Florida State's in. That leaves us between whoever wins. Oh, Jesus. I don't even have Georgia in yet. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, press me for an answer. Uh, I think Alabama beat Georgia. I think Alabama make it in over Texas, and everyone gets very angry, but I don't. Connell, wow, man. Go for it. Uh, and so I go, it, it, Georgia, Georgia's in, Michigan are in no matter what, basically. Like, that's, that's just how it's going to be. Then it comes down to the last two spots. As I said, I think Oregon win their game. That game is basically whoever wins makes it in. So Oregon is in. And then I think just because I'm not a full believer, you know, I was happy for them earlier in the year, and but I'm just not a full believer in them right now. I don't think Louisville wins. So I think FSU wins and makes it. I also, you know, selfishly for two reasons, want them to make it. One, I picked them in the preseason to make it. And it was a little bit out there for them to make it especially now that their quarterback's injured. But also, uh, it would be very cool next year when I have to explain to like people uh, who's coming to Ireland and be like, oh, they're like, they, they were the fourth best team uh, in America last year, so they're, they're really good. That's basically what my line is going to be for the next summer, basically explaining why I'm going up to this game. I love it. I, I, I can agree with you. It would be great to have a team in the top four come to Ireland next year, and please God, that happens. And look, lads, can't believe we're at the end of this now. It's mad. We're back in a couple of weeks uh, to look ahead to either some of the big bowl games, depending on what those bowl games are. Or if we're not, let's jump back in for the last four, the last two big games of the year before we get that. And we'll look ahead, obviously, to the college football championship as well, whenever we get to that. But uh, we'll see you very, very soon. You can use code 15%. You can use code Ireland for 15% off at homebuildapparel.com. I'm two dose with a cold. Michael McQuaid. Cully Hanna, best of luck, Dara Carter, Connell Diggin. Hey, Connell, have you bought the new, have you bought the new Kerry jersey yet? 
I haven't. They, they're sold out in um, they're sold out in Elvery's. I went and try and buy one today, and they're not in until December. I mean, there's too many stars. Huh? McKeever wouldn't pull that crack. McKeever just keep producing. Oh, here's a whole different podcast. All right, here, talk to you soon. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back um, most likely for the CFB playoff, but we will be back. And thank you so much for listening. We'll chat to you soon.